Well, welcome this morning to Community Church here in Spruce Grove. If you're joining us online, bless you. Already, there's an atmosphere of spiritual breakthrough. Spiritual breakthrough. You know, I heard this sermon years ago when it talked about uh, the armor of God. You know, it says in Ephesians 6, it talks about us putting on the armor of God. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the shoes of the gospel of peace, and the sword of truth. And uh, the sermon was basically this, that when you wear the armor of God, the enemy can't tell whether it's you or God himself. That, that there's, no, there's no difference. You know, we talk about God advancing, but you know what? Jesus is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is the head in heaven, but we are his body on earth. He's just that big. But he's not the one that's, whose feet are moving. It's our feet that are moving. We are his hands extended. We are the agency of change that brings the kingdom of God on earth. So as you worship, as you join us today, come on, let, let faith, let faith. There's a moment that's possible. Whenever Jesus is in the house, whenever the presence of God, whenever the glory of God manifests in a room, this is a potential moment for breakthrough, for healing, for deliverance, for breakthrough, for revelation. Father, in Jesus' name, we say, let this be a moment of transformation and change. Transformation and change. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Come on, let's worship Him. If you've never believed in the imminence of the manifestation of the kingdom of God, if you've never caught a glimpse of the, of the unavoidable reality that heaven is coming to earth, I say to you, step into it now. There is a way open for you to see something you have never seen before. Lay hold of this. Lord, fill the earth. Fill the earth. Fill. Today's a day of breakthrough. Today, 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 many of you in this room have felt like you're on your heels, like it seems like you don't want to make yourself too obvious to the enemy. You don't want to step out too much. You don't want to be too bold because it seems like one step forward, it's been two steps back. I'm telling you that the days are changing, that the difference between two steps forward and one step back and one step forward and two steps back the difference is today. The difference is what you can believe and what you can lay hold of. The difference can be entered into today. I declare in Jesus' name. Let the reality. Let the reality. Let the reality of the ever-present Son of God who is not far from us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. He is here. 
It is now. Breakthrough now. Deliverance now. From infirmity, from sickness, from depression, from financial lack, from poverty, from, from depression. Everything now. Enter into the victory zone. Enter into the victory zone. I saw a meme this week. And it's about an, an eagle and there's a raven or something or a crow sitting on the back of this eagle. And the eagle was unbothered by that. Didn't even try to get it off because it said that the eagle goes places into the stratosphere where there's not enough oxygen for the ravens or the crows. And they pass out and simply fall off. When you ascend, believer in Christ, into the place where you're meant to be, where God has called you to be seated at the right hand of God with Jesus, seated in heavenly places, when you realize the invitation that you have been given, the honor that you have been given, there's a place where you can go that your enemy cannot follow. Where the biting dogs of the enemy's camp cannot bark, cannot be heard, cannot nip at your heels. There's a place to ascend to. Believe it, believe it, believe it today. Come on, let his name be on your lips. Let his name be on your lips. Jesus. 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 You know, there's so many ways we can measure the advance and the activity of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God on the earth. And you can think about souls being saved and turn their lives around, sin receding from the lives of people. You can think about people coming into new levels of understanding of God and who He is and what His purpose is. You can think of you know, the social climate and community being created. All of these things are outcomes and measures, reflections of the advance of the kingdom of God. But before any of them come, what changes is climate. Climate. Uh, what makes the land inhabitable is climate. The right kind of climate. And... The kingdom of heaven and what we're really about is changing climate. I started writing a book called Real Climate Change because I don't believe, you know, in the impending doom of the false environmental, environmental crisis that's out there right now. But I believe that the church is meant to change the atmosphere and infuse it with the knowledge of the glory of God. And that the reality of why we're worshiping, the reality of why we're penetrating the heavens is because we are part of God's climate changing system. You know, when you go into a house and has air conditioning, like yesterday it was hot and some, some folks came into our house and they go, oh, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Listen, this atmosphere, it's, it's, it's terrible out there. It's beautiful in here. You, you may think, well, what are we doing? Why? We're singing the same song for 20 minutes. What's that about? You are God's air conditioning system. That when you touch a realm of the spirit, that something from heaven begins to cascade through this room and out into the streets of our city. We are creating streets to dwell in, according to Isaiah 58. 
This is what God does, is he creates an atmosphere where faith is possible, where people begin to believe again, where they stop being suffocated by depression, by unbelief, by fear, by the sense of impending doom. They begin to believe in the possibilities Maybe I won't die today. Maybe I won't be crushed today. Maybe I can't have victory. Maybe I can believe for more than just bare, sustenance living. Atmospheres create possibilities. And we are here to create possibilities for our city. You online, you're there. Your worship creates possibilities for your family, for those that don't believe, and for your city. When you worship in spirit and truth, you allow something from heaven to manifest that makes faith plausible, probable, inevitable. Father, in Jesus' name, fill the land of Canada with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. God, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Father, in Jesus' name, Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I pray for an atmosphere of breakthrough today. Lord, I pray for the anointing of the kingdom of heaven, Lord, to come into this room. Lord, to pull us into a realm, to pull us into a place, Father, where we can receive from you in ways we'd never have before. Father, in Jesus' name we say, kingdom of heaven, draw near. Kingdom of heaven, reality of a God who loves us and has opened a door. Let me tell you, God is not camping over your life and he's not sitting there saying, get away from me, stay as far as you can. His desire is for you to draw as close as possible and it's not him that decides how close you get. It's you. He's saying it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There are conditions that you must fulfill around faith. And we're going to talk about some of those today. There are conditions that allow you to enter. There are conditions that allow you to ascend the mountain. But he is not stopping anybody. He's not saying to anybody, well, you don't have the right right last name. You don't have the right clothes. You don't have the right status. You don't have the right look. He's not saying anything like that. He said, no, it's my good pleasure. Come in. So, Father, we say, thank you, Lord. So as I'm talking this morning, I want you to know that there is a possibility for breakthrough. And some of the scripture I'm going to look at and some of the principles I'm going to touch on illustrate this reality. So if you want to turn to uh, Matthew 8, we're going to be looking at Matthew 8 in a minute. But it says uh, in the scripture, it says, the faith is a substance of things hoped for. And I love that, and I, I, I heard this from the time I was a young Christian, this, a lot of teaching on faith. But this is a, a profound statement. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, when you get what you're hoping for, that's a joyful day, right? You can hope for a bike, you can hope for a, a raise, you can hope for whatever, but hope is, is the first step 
around acquiring a promise, it creates possibilities. Hope gives you the potential for something. And it's important to have hope. I mean, part of what the enemy is trying to do right now in our nations is destroy hope. Destroy possibilities. I believe that hope, the increase of hope, and revival are simultaneous events. You know, when we look at the uh, Reformation with Martin Luther, when people realized that, that faith, that we weren't, we weren't stuck in this fatalism. Before that season, everything was fatalistic. Like, it, there wasn't a, a, the same kind of class system in Europe, let's say, that there was in places like India and other, other, other lands, but there was a sense of hopelessness that if you were not born of a certain status, that you couldn't change your destiny. And what the kingdom of heaven does is it creates possibilities. What the kingdom of heaven does is it says, no, you're not locked in to your genealogy. You're not locked in to your family ancestry. That's not the only thing that determines the outcomes of your life. And so the enemy is always moving political systems and social systems into caste systems. And so you had in Europe the nobility and then you had the peasants. And so it was, you know, there was a, an impenetrable barrier. Uh, in other lands it was even worse. But the sense that, that you could change your stars, that you could change your future was not really there. It, wasn't, it wasn't, a, wasn't there. That's why even today, or at least in my lifetime, when I was young, they called America the land of opportunity. Because it seemed wherever you lived, all the rules were stacked up against you. That there was, there was a, a system always growing and keeping people, if they were low, keeping them low. And keeping the powerful, powerful. And God's intention is to break those systems. God's intention with the kingdom of heaven is to break those systems. And all of those systems that manifest in the natural, whether it's a caste system or the nobility system of Europe, they all emanate from the same source. And it's not God. He does have his own prior hierarchy, but it's not based on genealogy. It's not based on human strength. It's not based on finances or wealth or looks. It's based on things that are accessible for whosoever has ears to hear. That's the beauty of it. It is a liberating system. So the, one of the manifestations of the kingdom of darkness is, is that it creates uh, a narrow possibilities. It, 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 it cuts you off from any potential. So when, when the Reformation came, all of a sudden hope spread across Europe. The Dark Ages ceased to be at that time. That was the beginning of the Reformation. The, Europe came out of the Dark Ages. And this imagery of language is, is not by accident. It's part of what God does. But basically you had something called the Protestant work ethic that came out of that. And everybody talks about the Protestant work ethic. And if you've been here before, you've heard me talk about this. But what it was, it was an illumination that began in the heart and the mind that gave me people the sense of potential. Because before that, it was fruitless to give yourself to something because you never prospered. No matter how hard you tried, you never, you never prospered. And that's, that's what unbelief does. That's what fear does. That's what, that's what the darkness of the kingdom 
of, of, of Satan does. It squelches your ability to even imagine that there are possibilities. And so when the Reformation came and that revival came, it ex- an explosion of human resourcefulness burst forth on the scene. Why? Because people in their minds and hearts realized possibilities. Come on. The kingdom of heaven and the atmosphere that God is trying to bring is to give you the potential of possibilities. That there are possibilities for your life right now that are beyond the things that are trying to put you into a corner. And when depression and heaviness and, and all the accusations of you never did anything right, you've never succeeded in anything, and your father never succeeded, and your, your mother-in-law says you'll never succeed. And you know, all of these voices telling you and pushing you into a corner. Uh, sorry, mothers-in-law. Not all mothers-in-law are like that. Anyway, please don't take offense. It's a, it's a cultural joke. But God wants to give us substance. Hope is an important commodity, but faith is something on the next level. Hope creates possibilities. Faith is the realization of those possibilities before those possibilities materialize. Faith is the substance of things to hope for. I want to read this passage here. Uh, Matthew 8. It's a noteworthy story. You've all probably heard it before, seen it before, read it before. You've probably heard more sermons on this than you care to mention. But basically, it's of this centurion who comes to Jesus in verse 5 of chapter 8. And it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented, dreadfully tormented, beyond hope. There's no possibility for anything in the natural that will help him. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Wow, that's, that in itself is an amazing thing. First of all, he's a centurion, he's a Gentile. It's not lawful for Jews to even go into the house of a Gentile. But then the centurion responds, he says, oh, let me just stop right there for a second. Why did Jesus say, I'm going to come and heal him? I'll tell you why. He felt faith. What ignites God, what ignites the resources of heaven is faith. I believe, I believe, I believe. Why, why is this important? Because when we gather here together to pray, when we gather to sing, when we gather to worship, there are different levels of faith manifested in the room. And some believe for an atmosphere to come. And some are surprised when an atmosphere comes. Which one are you? Are you one who, when, when every time you worship, every time you pray in tongues, every time you direct your heart towards God, you know that a presence is coming. That's how you live in victory in this world. That's how you live. I learned to do that as a young Christian. I learned to do that. No matter what the circumstances were, I, I discovered that I could enter a place of an atmosphere of heaven and that, that when I made it my goal to enter in, that atmosphere came into the room where I was. And I saw it affect not only me, but other people that are around. 
God wants to give you possibilities. So when you're stuck in a day, when you're stuck at a particular season of life, when you're stuck in circumstances that seem to be crushing and impossible, you have been given access to something and God will invade the space and create possibilities. But more than that, there is a potential of the realization of what you have. God responds to faith. And so what Jesus is always doing, he's trying to raise our faith. What preaching is about is raising your faith. What other people's worship does is it increases your faith. It creates a climate, makes real to you what may be faintly felt, faintly experienced. Have you ever noticed that? Right? You go away. On Sunday, you're all pumped, right? You come back. By next Friday, it's like, oh, I'm not even sure I want to go to church. Then you come to church. You're a little bit depressed, a little bit down. And all of a sudden, halfway through the worship, it's like, you know what? Things aren't so bad after all. Anybody ever have that experience? You know, you just, you just, you just begin to think differently. That's an atmosphere that affects you. You can get that by accident or you can get it on purpose. When we're young in the faith, we get it by accident. When we begin to mature, we begin to access things on purpose. And so Jesus was training his disciples on how to do this. And all of a sudden, this centurion comes along. And, and he, he speaks with faith that ignites Jesus. Hey, okay, I'll come to your house. Now, everybody wanted Jesus to come to their house. He didn't go to everybody's house. He didn't talk to everybody. There were thousands of people chasing him. And he would, he would just go along. This is why the four friends, you know, took the paralytic and broke in through the house, you know, through the roof. And Jesus rather than saying, you know, that's, that's not lawful for you to do that. He, he said, look at their faith. These guys are amazing. God loves faith. And faith may seem presumptuous to some. And imitating somebody else's faith without faith is presumption. But, but when faith is really there, it ignites something in the heart of God because he is willing. But faith pleases him. And so he's telling his disciples, he's training them, he's bringing them along. And then, and then the centurion's there, a Gentile, a Roman citizen, right? Representing this despotic political power that has crushed us. And he's there and he's, he, he talks and he's got this, there's an energy in faith that the spiritually sensitive can detect. And Jesus I'll come and heal him. I'll do that for you. But then something else happens and Jesus is astounded. You know what it is, so it's not really a surprise, but let's pretend it's a surprise and you don't know. And Jesus said to him in verse 7, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. Wow. Two parts to that that are worth noting. The first is the humility. The humility. Because the centurion knew it was, it was unlawful for Jesus to come to his house because he was a Jew. But I think the centurion also suspected there was more to this Jew than met the eye. You know, he already knew, well, listen, you are, you are, Jews aren't allowed to come into my house and you are of a different class. It takes humility to recognize that. You know what pride does? Who do you think you are? You're no better than me. I am entitled, I deserve 
I should get it. Presumption is not faith. But he was willing to take on and receive God's classification system, which is based on faith. He was willing to to embrace that. He wasn't offended. He wasn't stung by that. He wasn't hurt by that. He wasn't, we're just as good. Who do you think you are? He didn't do that. He didn't go there. But more than that, he said, he said the impossible. You don't even need to come near my house. You don't even need to be in the room. You don't need to touch him. You don't need to be there. You don't need to take one step from this place. Just say the word. Whoa! Jesus is like, wow, that's amazing. And look what he, look, here's his, here's his rationale. And the rationale here is very important. The centurion says, for I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I will say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, To those who followed, as surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now the rationale here is, is, it ties in. I'm going somewhere. I'm I'm laying a foundation for something. And it's, it's in relationship to everything we do as a church. Because the centurion saw behind the veil. You remember when, uh, you remember when Jesus fed the, the, the 3,000 and the, the five, or the 4,000, the 5,000, when he did those works? You remember when he came to the place where he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood? He said, the reason I said this is because some of you don't believe. And so I'm going to make it harder for you even to stick around. Because you don't believe. You're there because you're hoping you're going to get something. I want you to know that there are people in church today hoping they're going to get something, but don't really believe. But God is saying, listen, if you can only cross the threshold into faith, if you can only cross the threshold to know that whatever it is that you're dealing with, I can set you free today. I, at the, the twinkling of an eye, the snap of a finger, a momentary second, if you would just touch by faith my presence, everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes when you believe. Now, there are many people who sit back and say, well, you know, I'm not sure if this is real. So I'm going to take the look-see attitude. The look-see. I'm not sure if this is real. Now, I'm not here to condemn anybody, but when we come and we worship, and and some people, you know, they enter into things and, they're, they're, they're vocal, they're emotional, they're, they're physically involved, they're dancing, they're other things. You think, man, the real issue is this, is how real is that realm to you? I like to give this illustration of, of mimes, you know, because mimes, when, when a mime is doing a thing, you know, the box, I'm pretending to be in a box, you know. Sometimes we think that's what worship is. Sometimes we think... We look at people who are worshiping, it's like, man, you know, they're doing a really go- good job of pretending there's a, there's a kingdom here. Now, you would never say that, but you, in your mind, they're interacting with something that's not really real, and that's too humiliating for me. Whoa. That's, I, it's not that real. Like, you know, why are people going like this? 
Why are people moving? Why are, why are people dancing? Why are they lifting their hands? Because they've seen something. They feel something. They're interacting with an invisible realm, and it's real to them. It's not pretend. It's not. We're not holding on till later when we go to heaven, and then we see what's real. No, we are experiencing the real right now, and you can too. What the centurion saw was not something that was going to come later when he died. He saw a real structure of authority. He saw that behind the veil and what Jesus was doing, because there's power here, because he said, listen, it doesn't start right here. This is what the centurion saw. It doesn't start right here with a a word. There's there's a whole system. When you have authority, he said, there's a system behind it. That's what the centurion saw. His experience in the military made him realize that when, when I say do this, I'm not that convincible. I'm not that convincing. I'm not that authoritative in and of myself. No, it's the force, the, the empire of Rome behind me that gives the weight to everything I do. So when a man does or says something that has some kind of inhuman capacity to it, like, man, this is more than charisma. This is more than, than this, there's an atmosphere. There's something here. God is saying, listen, there's something behind the veil. Will you look behind the veil? Will you, will you lift up the veil? Will you peek into the veil? Not only that, but will you live behind the veil? God is saying, you've been made to not only live behind the, the veil, but to live seated in heavenly places. When uh, Paul says, we are seated with him in heavenly places, You know, it's not just a universal truth. Oh, oh, there we go. We all are. No, no, no. You are seated wherever your faith takes you. You have a destiny for more, but you're only seated in as much as you believe. You only exercise as much of the destiny, as much as the authority that you have as a son of God as you actually believe. Hello? You are called. There is a place prepared for you, but do you live from that place every day? Is the constant manifestation of the kingdom of heaven in your life so great that people think, huh, is that Jim or is that Jesus? Hmm. <laughs> is that Derek or is that Jesus? Is that Lori or is that Jesus? God is wanting to close the gap between what we theoretically know to be possible, what we hope might happen, And what we have seen and what we have stepped into. The apostle said that which we have seen, that which we have handled concerning the word of life, we share with you, we bring to you, we declare to you. It is real. It is real. Now, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was thinking about the idea of healing, the idea of people who have ventured. This morning, uh, Kim shared a Catherine Coleman video, and I watched it. It's about seven minutes long. It's great, amazing testimonies, amazing miracles. People, one guy, he's telling, he said, you know, I was a 245 year old paraplegic vegetable, and uh, and uh, you know, he's like could do nothing, and he was healed and totally restored. He's standing there in a suit and tie, trim, you know, and he starts explaining about the change, the miraculous change in his life. So we have these these moments, these, uh, what's so funny? 240, oh, year old? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking, okay. Might have said something wrong there. 245 pound man, 
paraplegic, vegetable, totally healed. And there he was standing, now weighing about 180, looking good, completely restored. And everybody says, wow, that's amazing. But you know what? I, I found that it's very hard for us to believe. And so some people don't believe enough to even pray for the sick. Some pray with some effectiveness, and some have a great deal of effectiveness when they pray. But I remember the story of John Wimber when he, he, he was in a conservative evangelical church that didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, didn't believe in signs and wonders, didn't believe in resurrection from the dead, didn't believe in healing. But he, he got to this place where his integrity around the truth, he thought, I, I just can't avoid this anymore. There's no possible way that what I was told in seminary is true. There's no, no chance. I just, I just don't believe it anymore. Healing has to be a part of the atonement. It has to be for now. It has to be for us. So he was preaching through the Bible, you know, exegetically, one verse after another, which, uh, after another, which I actually don't recommend. It's great reading. Reading it that way is a great way. But, uh, but God speaks to us thematically. When God is actually touching your life, he's touching a theme of your life. Truths revolve around themes, okay? And so themes are touched down throughout scriptures. So I, I prefer to teach that way. It's good to know the Bible linear, in linear, but, but we need to understand the themes applicable to our lives. So anyway, he starts reading, or he starts preaching, because he's going this, and he's, so he gets to this Sunday where I'm at a healing passage. What am I going to do? Am I going to do the typical evangelical dance? You know, well, you know, it used to be at one point that now I'm going to have to preach it. So he preached it, began preaching it, and decided I need to do more and preach it, and he started praying for the sick Wednesday, Sunday nights. So he did it for one Sunday, and they did it for another Sunday, and they did it for another Sunday. No healings, nothing. So they did it for another Sunday, and 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 another Sunday. 52 Sundays. They prayed for the sick, not one healing. Right around that time, and I can't remember the exact, but they got a healing. Woo! But here's my question for you. Can you do something that doesn't work 52 times? Don't say yes yet. <laughs> well, here's my, here's my question. Think about it this way. What is it that enables you to do something 52 times and still fail? Only faith. Only faith. I believe. I've seen it. Now, we have a story of scientists like Albert Einstein and... and uh, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison was credited with creating the light bulb, but it was purportedly said that he failed in creating the light bulb like a thousand times. A thousand times. Two thousand times. Okay. The tail is growing. A lot of times. More than 52. So he's doing this. He's venturing and he's failing and he ventures and he fails and he ventures and he fails and he ventures. What is it? that could possibly keep a man doing that because inside he's seen it. He has seen it. He has seen the laws of nature. He knows 
No, this, this is possible. You can't tell me this is not possible. I know it's possible. I know it's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's coming. I don't care. Well, you failed 10 times. You look like an idiot. You keep making these announcements and, and, you, and you fail. You're, you're doing it wrong. You've, you, you know, I know, I know that 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 I know. Albert Einstein made prognostications about things that he couldn't possibly know. But he knew. And they've proven amazingly accurate because he saw it. He saw the reality. And so he knew, because that is real, these are the things that are also real. Faith is seeing. That's why the Bible talks about seeing with the eye of faith. With the eye of faith. When you see, when you know, it doesn't matter how many times people don't get healed. Because you know, you just know that you know that you know. Now, if you're not sure and you're trying it out and you're prone to embarrassment and you don't want to put your reputation on the line and you've written a couple of books that, you know, you got it pretty good. If you create, you, know, you don't want to create too much controversy. So, it, But if you're not sure, you can't really lay your life on the line. What are we doing here on Sundays? What are we doing worshiping like it matters? What are, we, what are we doing worshiping like there's real angels? What are we doing declaring? Because I know that 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 I know. God inhabits the praises of his people. And God's intention is to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And that we have the power to touch a realm of heaven and have that realm come down to the earth. And, but the question is, how much can it do? Revolutionary, iconic leaders down through the history of the church ventured. They knew that they knew that they knew it, so they ventured. Catherine Kuhlman was touched by something and she knew there was something that was there. And so every time she had a meeting, this atmosphere would come down. And they said about two million people were miraculously healed in her ministry. Two million. I saw the video this morning, just throngs of people needing to come in. But here's, here's the thing. You think, wow, which, which do you want to be? Here's what, what do you want to be? Do you want to be Catherine Coleman or the people that don't believe in hope that she can do something that will make them believe? We have an option to be somebody on the outskirts, somebody that's doubting, somebody that wonders, somebody that, you know, prove it to me. Show me infallible proofs. Okay, doubting Thomas. God is pleased by faith. God has given you an eye to see and ears to hear. God has given you. God is providing for you ample evidence. And each and every day, each and every time you come in here, you make a decision. Is it real or is it not? People ask me, Pastor Mark, how, how is it you're so zealous? How is it you can, you know, keep coming to the table again and again and again? Because it's real. I don't know. I'm not guessing. I'm not coming in here Sunday morning. I wonder if God's real. I wonder if God really likes me. I wonder if, I wonder if these things are true. No, I know. I've seen through the veil. I've stepped in through the veil. I've touched the other side of the veil. But I know that there's still elements I haven't touched. 
And so I'm thinking, how, how deep down does the rabbit hole go? What, what is it? How much of God's presence can fill this room? And is there enough presence that could come down on a group of people that even unbelievers in the room can't resist it? Is there enough presence that can come down on the people of God that demons will begin to cry out and signs and wonders begin to happen even if they don't believe? Is there a people who believe enough for this atmosphere? Can we pull down? Can we be God's air conditioning system for northern Alberta that we ourselves believe enough that each time that an awesome 100 mile an hour air flow of the spirit of God of the life giving presence of eternity will begin to shower through this and flood out this land. God is looking right now for people that believe because he's saying, listen, if I could find a people whose hearts are full, whose people are fully committed to this, who know that they know that they know, I'm going to make wherever they are kingdom of heaven central in Alberta. God is, God's eyes are looking to roll right now. He's looking. He's saying, he said, who believes? Who believes? Because when an administration begins to set up its headquarters, the first thing that administration decides is where are we going to build it? Where are we going to build our headquarters? God has already said it. I'm coming to the earth. I'm going to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I mean, there's no one who's going to say, know the Lord, because there's a day coming when he will be openly known by all. Unavoidable. It's not going to be inconclusive. It'll be conclusive. Where does it start? It starts with the people who say, we will provide you the substance that is our faith with which to build your, your headquarters on earth. God is looking for places to touch down. We call it revival. We call it a momentary outpouring of this, but God is saying, no, I, I don't want it to be temporary. I don't want it to be an accidental, you know, formation of, you know, like a, a laboratory physician or something like that, a, a researcher who stumbles on something and it can only re- but can't repeat it. I want people to understand that you can be a part of building heaven on earth. This is the promise that we have. This is the reality we're facing right now. We can build heaven on earth. Otherwise, it's pointless to say your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But God would never give us pointless prayers to pray unless he intended to fulfill them. What is lacking is a people that actually believe that that isn't just some metaphor for a reality that we'll experience after we die. No. He said, the Apostle John said, this is eternal life that they may know you. He said in his small book at the end of the Bible, it said, as he is now, so are we in this world. In this world. Not there, here. So this morning, when we're worshiping, I watch this every service. Every service I watch this. And it's, 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 not, it's not a condemnation. It's a reality. But I, here's what I want to propose. What if we could speed up this process? What if we could speed up? Here, ask yourself this question. Okay. After 40 minutes of worship, my engagement level is higher than at the first minute. Anybody ever realize that? Five minutes in, it's greater than... But there are clear moments where my engagement level increases. 
And for many of that's a sort of an obtuse internal orientation. Like, you know, oh, you know, I, I don't know what happens, just, you know, now I feel like worshiping or focusing. No, 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 no. There's a very specific things, very specific triggers that happen when you become aware of the presence of God, aware that something is possible, aware that there's an atmosphere that you must come and pour yourself into. When you suddenly feel moved to think about nothing else than God in this moment, and you, you may choose at that point to close your eyes, to begin to pray, to make noise, but to really focus, or you may choose to move from the back to the front, or you may choose to say, oh, you know, I'm going to go and lay on the floor in the front, or I'm going to worship God with all of my heart. All these expressions of engagement are not incidental or unimportant. But here's the question. If we lay out the timeline of a typical worship service, could we shift our 40-minute our engagement trigger down to 10? Is it possible that the way I used to engage at 40, I'm now engaging in minute one? Because you have to ask, well, what is it that takes me 40 minutes then? You, we are just otherwise oriented. We are not, the, the reality of the invisible is not as real. But by virtue of somebody else's faith, it begins to become real. Then you actually begin to worship in spirit and truth. Evangelism is not you giving somebody the facts about the Bible. Evangelism is you being aware of a reality and communicating that reality to another person. And your effectiveness in communicating that reality is contingent upon how real in the moment that reality is. And if all you function in is a mandate, oh, I should share my faith. I should share what ha- the idea that I might go to heaven. That's not what Christianity is. It isn't later on you're going to live. It's no, I live now. I'm in touch with eternity now. I touch every time I open my mouth and pray, I'm touching eternity. My heart lives. I am strengthened every second by the vapors of his glory that cascade down upon me as soon as my heart turns in its general, general direction. Ha! Then evangelism won't become this academic convincing. It will become manifestation. Manifestation. This is the church of the future, the victorious church, the church of the generation of Jacob that seeks his face that are volunteers in the day of his power, this is one of the things that will define them. And there's nothing between us and that church right now. Nothing except our desire. Nothing except our willingness to go to another level of faith. Father, I pray today, God, that we could have concerning eternity the same clarity of insight that Thomas Edison had about the light bulb. Father, I pray that we can have concerning the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven that can come and follow us wherever we go the same sense of conviction that Einstein had about the relativity theory.
about the nature of time, about the construct of matter and the reality in which we live. Father, in Jesus' name, Einstein saw behind the veil through science. We can see behind the veil through faith today. God, I choose. I want you, if you can, if you want to, stand with me. And if you want to pray this, let's pray this. I choose to advance. I choose to believe. I choose to worship with all my heart. I will not entertain doubt. I believe. I believe. I believe. I want you to know that if you want a key to entering in faster... When you come here, open your mouth. Speak, shout, declare, pray in tongues. Engage with your tongue. The tongue is the rudder of your whole being. That's what James said. And if you sit there like a lump, hoping God will come and touch you, it's unlikely. Your faith increases the likelihood into not just potentially possible, but absolutely inevitable. Absolutely inevitable. Do you want more, God? God's saying, like, whoever wants me, come come and get it. Whoever wants more of me, come and get it. It's there for the grabbing. Being a Christian, is it begins with the idea that God is real and eternity is my destination. But you know what? The apostle said, Even the demons believe that. So we need to push past. Your existence is not about just living in the wake of the concept that heaven is real and that God is alive. There's something more practical. There's something more essential to faith in this day that you are called to. And there's nothing worth more then pressing into finding out what that is. You may not be Elijah confronting the Baal prophets on the Mount Carmel, but you are here to confront darkness on some level. You are here to manifest the love of God on some level. You are here to manifest the light of heaven on some level. And your journey is discovering how to do that, how to do it effectively, So that you color your world. You change your world. You affect every life that comes into contact with yours. This is why we are here. So if you have to go, bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night here for prayer or next Sunday. Lay hold. Lay hold of the reason for which God lay hold of you. Now's the time.